When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Book Riot Podcast. This is a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky, coming to you from bookriot.com. We were just talking about in the pre-shows, we're gearing up. We've got two, these are like stories from 2018. 27, yes. like these, these are, these are, we're bringing out the They're hits. Like, we're playing the classics here today on the Book Riot Podcast. In a, in like a really lovely way, it's like normcore content for the It really is. It's not about banning. It's not some weirdo like person catfishing mid-list authors in Spain or in in, the, just, in London. Very excited to talk about. It's just people things doing today. things, and they're not weird, hard to understand, or bad. Nope, they're not. Um, I don't think we have any pre-show stuff. We're still taking um, uh, two senses. The the increment of opinion is two cents about uh, bonus content subscription stuff a podcast a book right come feel free to hit us up with that stuff still working still thinking but before too long you should see some gears moving on the front side mm-hmm. all right i'm really excited to talk about we got two stories we'll spend some time in frontless corner if we don't take up all the time but before that we're gonna hit a sponsor look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think both of these are interesting for very different ways, and they follow trends we've been talking about in a long time. That I so here's here's my question to you: Are these so late in this in this life of these stories and trends <laughs> that we've been interested in? Did they matter, or like Lazarus being resurrected? Is this now like part of the gospel that we should be thinking about? Have we been oh. sleeping on these things, or should we have slept on them? And these aren't even worth waking up for, Rebecca. So maybe we need to get in the stories. But do you hear the question yes. I'm asking? Because I'm like, I how do. much do they care about these? I feel like we would have cared I about do. them a lot more in 2016, but now I'm like. Huh, are these outliers or what the hell is happening? I so think that's a take them together question. and then we'll tell the people. So g- give yes. me your, your, oh, your 30,000 view before we dive into uh, it. Sure. Okay. So the two stories are Amazon is closing all of its physical bookstores and some of its four-star stores, which are the places where they sold products that had high ratings and other things called pop-up stores. But mm. 68 retail locations are closing, including all of their bookstores. And they're Amazon, so they're not really saying why, but one can make some guesses. And then the other big story this week is that Brandon Sanderson 
is kickstarting a series of four novels that he wrote in secret over the last two years. You know, he kept himself busy during COVID. He's kickstarting them. I was going to say he's kickstarting them on Kickstarter, but that's how that works. <laughs> you Xerox on your Xerox? Yeah. He's, you know, functionally going to self-publish these four novels. He's, you know, beloved and hugely well-known. His goal was a million dollars. He launched it earlier this week, and we're recording on a Thursday. So it'll, these numbers will be outdated by the time y'all hear this on Monday. But at present, he has been backed to the tune of $19 million by more than 76,000 people. It's within a million and a half dollars of being the most successful Kickstarter campaign of all time, I saw. that. So I can't remember who initially dropped it in the channel, um, mm-hmm. in our company Slack channel. But the, that original story, and there's been a lot of stories and coverage of this over the last few days, said the most successful campaign, I don't know what, the most funded, biggest dollar yes. for the campaign was a smartwatch thing for 20 million bucks. So mm. that is meaningful, I think. It is. Itself. And this is big sci-fi yeah. kind of situation. The plots are still a secret. Uh, interestingly, you know, in, as you look at the different levels of the Kickstarter, you can back them at a certain level to get the books. There'll be one book each quarter through next year of 2023. So you can get them as ebooks, as paperbacks, or as hardcovers. There's some other, you know, swaggity swag stuff that mm. kind of comes along with those. I think that the answer to your interesting question there about is, is this something or nothing, or are we yeah. late or early or... I don't think we're early to any of this. I think it's one of each, actually. This is a variety mm. pack. Oh, oh, Rebecca, is it two things? Okay. It's well, two weird. things. My <laughs> favorite. Who, who would have known you had two things? <laughs> I have okay. two thoughts. I have two one thoughts. thought about each of them, though. So I All guess. Right. That's four, can... technically. Yeah. <laughs> um, that my take, I think, with Amazon is we wondered what they were doing when they opened these physical locations and it had the flavor of an experiment. They're trying to answer some question. Um, it didn't feel, at least to me, I don't think when we talked about it on the show, I don't think it felt to you either like Amazon is trying to put indie bookstores out of business with their no. own physical bookstores, but some open question about what kind of dent could they make in the market? Would people who loved their book prices when you could access them from your couch come and shop in the stores? Would people who shopped at Barnes and Noble, Costco, Target, Walmart, the other big box stores that sell books at a discounted price, would they convert Mm -hmm. to Amazon? Seemed to be the questions on the table. And this was right after the Whole Foods, uh, after Amazon bought Whole Foods, you know, maybe trying to expand what they could do. So I think that one is kind of a nothing burger. Like we didn't expect Amazon to really be super successful with those stores. I think it would have been really surprising If they had, um, when I was talking with some of our folks on our company Slack about this this morning, I said, like, the cost of running these for a few years just to see what would happen is such a small dent in the Mm -hmm. annual P&L of something the size of Amazon that, you know, I think they, as the kids would say, this is an F around and find out. (laughs) And they found Mm -hmm. out. And it was like, okay, we lost some money, but now we have some answers to some things. so I think that one's just kind of a meh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I expected to see them say, we're going to close all of them and make that announcement on one day. Like, right. it, it makes big headlines. We're closing all of the retail stores. If they had just sort of trickled away, it would have been, it would have seemed like less of a big deal. Brandon Sanderson. Wait, let's let's take them piece by piece. Let's do Amazon. Okay, just okay. I want to dwell on that just for a minute because I, I think right. 
you're absolutely right in this regard, which is it's a rounding error for the one trillion dollar behemoth right. that is the big Amazon. And what, if anything, were they were trying to found? I think it's also interesting to see what they're not closing. They're not closing mm-hmm. their Amazon Go. You know, either they think it's a successful or they don't think they have enough data for the experiment of Amazon Go. And that's um, the Amazon ones without Fresh. cashiers, right? Amazon yeah, and, and the cashier list thing, it's basically more of a 7-Eleven competitor killer okay. than, than anything. And, and not for nothing, they're not killing Whole Foods, right? So in terms of right. like Amazon taking on a bricks and mortar chin, I don't think it's that story necessarily. I think it's some things will have more experience than others. I thought, I actually found the Amazon four-star store experience idea way more interesting than the Amazon mm-hmm. books one. One is I've never, I never went to one where I, you know, in the, there's a mall in Portland that has an Amazon bookstore. And when we were there, and again, it's not been very much over the last few years, which I think might be part of this. And I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, yeah. I was like, this is interesting. It's kind of a weirdly laid out bookstore that seemed to me to be mostly a lead gen for Amazon Prime, as far as I could tell, because mm-hmm. you'd get the price and then on the on the the shelf talker insofar as they were shelf talkers with a little blurb and here's the price and here's the Amazon Prime price right now um which I, and there's you could see the Kindles and some of the Alexa devices and everything so it's like a showroom for Amazon unique stuff plus books whereas the Amazon 4 star was what if we used our algorithms and stuff to surface things to people they may not even know they want necessarily and you know sell stuff in a different way. Mm-hmm. I thought that was more interesting, but it would it I think it became too random. It was like you didn't know what you were going to get. It's almost like going into the strand and going to the used book <laughs> sections like I guess I'm in the market to buy something, I'll find it, but I don't know that yeah. I can go get a hair dryer or something cuz maybe it's not <laughs> maybe it's not in the Amazon 4-star yeah, store. It I also really liked that concept and I think a well executed version of it would have looked like like kind of what a wire cutter store would look like if they were yeah. in a physical location. Right. Like, I'm a devoted user of the wire cutters services. And yeah, I know that's a, I think actually you're the person who initially introduced me to the wire I'm cutter. The, the, the approximately, vector of infection, yeah. You know, 17 years ago. Yeah, God, um, no but I would like, you know, for something that I need, that I want it to function well, and I don't want to do 19 hours of my own internet mm-hmm. research about it. Somebody who's done that research well, I trust and i've had good experiences and if like if a wire cutter store existed that was like the wire cutters version of bed bath and beyond i would go there <laughs> i would i would too because you would know because the wire cutter has done their seo homework they know what people search for right so like right you're gonna get the best coffee maker and you're gonna get a hair dryer and sports bra and the you know all the kinds of things mm-hmm. that people are actually looking for that are hard to shop for that would make a ton of sense um the four-star thing, and I, I'm kind of speaking out of turn here. Welcome to the Book Ride podcast. My name is Jeff. <laughs> Having never been one, I don't actually know what the experience is like, but the idea of here's a bunch of really cool products that our users really like, come see with... It's almost like the special section of Costco. It's like you know that, <laughs> that, that, that seasonal section that between holidays can be couches or smokers or ski equipment. You, you right. don't know what it's going to be, but you can get your yeah. Cheez-Its and you can get your... you know. Um, unsustainably farms chicken in the back, but it's maybe a little bit too random to see there. So I agree. I think if you're a bookstore, you could be taking a victory lap today. Um, I think it's hard as as the book industry to be super thrilled to see any bricks and mortar book mm. experiment fail. And I think it might be especially disheartening to see that it's the most well-funded one in the world. You know, there's, there's the other version of this, which is... Uh. If Amazon's getting out of the bookstore business, is that a great sign or is it, you know, there's only so many survivors? 
my totally unsupported hypothesis here, and again, as we've said many times, you can't A-B test the universe. I think Amazon Book's best use case was, I'm in a mall anyway. Hey, look, there's the bookstore. I'm going to go wander around mm-hmm. and find something. People weren't going to malls. The thing that happened with bookstores largely over the last two years is, and we talked about this in the context of bookshop um, and indie bookstores writ large, and even Barnes & Noble to some effect, is like people wanted to support those things. Ain't no one want to go support Amazon, go out of their way to support Amazon books. That's just not happening. No. So whatever marginal you know, gain was to be had by an outpouring of support and desire to support local businesses and books in general and your local independent bookstore especially, I think all of those dollars flowed to the um, romantic, and, and I mean this a good way, like the, sort of the mm-hmm. romantic, uh, emotional, and then even strategic to some degree, keeping your local bookstore afloat, and none of those dollars flowed to Amazon. In fact, I think they flowed all, almost all of them, or Amazon books store, that physical store. The mall, people weren't going to the mall, so they weren't just going by. And I wonder how much they accounted for that in their evaluation. Like, I think yeah, why now is an interesting point. If it were me, mm-hmm. and they're like, I've now got six years of data, and the last two, I think I would have to throw out to some degree, which maybe suggests <laughs> yes. that the early data was even bad. I don't know. I'm not sure how to, to parse that exactly. Yeah, I think you're right that it's inextricable that the last two years of this experiment that they've conducted were years where retail shopping in general was yeah. down and you know physical in-person retail shopping was down and very fraught and folks were doing literal you know risk analysis of like what's yes. worth it to me <laughs> to go right. is it worth it to go to target with my mask on before i was vaccinated is it worth it to go to the amazon bookstore and i think a lot of, for a lot of people the worth it often came down to like what can i not get on the internet yeah, and amazon right. books you can certainly get on the internet i i don't know point i think the point's well taken that you could read this as if amazon can't make bookstores successful why would anyone else try except mm-hmm. that it's just not really what Amazon is about. Um, yeah. And the challenges of running a physical bookstore remain what they have been like, you know, it's thin profit margins. Indies can't uh, charge. They can't do the deep discounting that Amazon can do. Like all those challenges are the same now mm-hmm. as they were for independent stores before Amazon tried this. I don't know that it deserves a total victory lap just because I think the probability of this succeeding going in was very low that like I just didn't think it was likely that Amazon was going to put a bunch of independent bookstores or the book sections of Barnes and Noble and Target out of business um doesn't jive with how I think about how people shop for books Mm. and making Amazon making an Amazon bookstore a destination that you would you know make a special trip to go to um that's all spidey senses, but welcome to the Book Riot podcast. Yeah, and I also think something you said just a minute ago, it's like when it launched, I don't think we thought they, it was going to take over independent bookstores, but there was a high degree of uncertainty, like what it could actually be. Were they going to open up a thousand yeah. stores? Like that was possible, maybe even plausible, but it was certainly on the table. Where for the last four years, we've been like, we, I guess we already knew the answer to the question of, is Amazon Books going to take over the physical books? Because we already it didn't. Mm-hmm. If it was going to, we would have seen a lot more expansion and talk and moving into certain areas. Um, so I think maybe one of, one of the reasons feels like more of a whimper than a, oh my God, is a lot of the answers, this is the, a lot of the questions, this is the final answer to, I think we already kind of had, if you would have yeah. asked me yesterday or two days ago, is Amazon Books a thing? I'd be like, 
no, it's not a thing. Yeah. I don't really know why they're doing it. And if they shut it down tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. And I guess so maybe it's a little bit of man, uh, dog bites man, actually, is how this uh-huh. headline is playing out in my mind. Yeah, um, that's interesting. And I think... All right, let's do our... If oh, I had ahead, to finish up there. Honestly, if I had to guess, I would guess that Amazon is also not terribly surprised or terribly upset about this, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's interesting, too, is like maybe there was a world and I thought we were going to have like seven different Amazon kinds of physical stores. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be books and this unusual four star thing and uh, Amazon Go and Amazon Fresh and Whole Foods and so on and so forth. Well, they had some winners and they didn't. Ha- and some of them weren't a winner. So who knows yeah. um, what might come well, next? Yeah, it's interesting that they're keeping the cashierless 7-Eleven type stores like that's Amazon doing something that's similar to what Amazon does on the internet is making the purchase of like functionally making like impulse purchases of things that seem necessary at the Mm -hmm. time easy and cheap yeah it's a technology solution whereas Amazon books wasn't really a tech it was actually a meat space solution to some a technological problem which is to get Mm -hmm. people into Amazon Prime or something like that whereas the the cashierless thing is like we actually have a technological innovation here, which in the convenience right. store business, and because I read that Trader Joe's book recently, and um, <laughs> Joe Colum, who got his start in retail, running basically a 7-Eleven competitor and seeing what the margins, like basically the problem with 7-Eleven, it's like a real estate game. It's real estate and cost of goods sold. He didn't talk about labor, but he talked about turnover of labor. But that, if you know, if you've been going to a convenience store, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of stuff on the shelves that a lot of the suppliers sit there in stock. And there's someone behind the register, and there's someone stocking stuff in the back, generally. Mm-hmm. Everything else, everyone has to do. Every competitor to 7-Eleven, it's, it's, it's a commodity business a lot of way. If you have the right real estate, everyone knows what there's not a lot to innovate on. But maybe if you have some smarts about stocking things, and you have your Amazons with their supply chains and vendors, plus you can get rid of the people and cut your labor costs in half, maybe you can go wipe out gas stations and convenience stores and... You know, Seven Eleven was a thing for a reason. It got it had a better cost basis than the little local places that it was competing with. Maybe that's an interesting thing. Maybe I still can't believe that people going to pick up um, a half a gallon of milk in a Snickers bar in downtown Seattle is a business Amazon cares about. I still don't understand <laughs> that, but uh, you know, yeah, the, who's who's to say? The question I have about it that I guess that we might not ever get an answer to is like why they insisted on branding it with Amazon in the name mm-hmm. and what this might have looked like if they had picked some other generic sounding bookstore name or generic sounding. I think uh, I can answer that like for you. I've seen the Q stopping. rating store. People like Amazon. I mean, that's the thing that people in the book world kind of forget yeah. is that most civilians really, really like Amazon. And that sounds like a tautology because if they didn't, how do you turn into a $2 trillion company? The valuation of Amazon is going on as I'm getting more hyperbolic as I'm making points. I don't know if anyone's knows that. Don't buy it, $2 trillion. Um, <laughs> but the, people like Amazon more than they like any other company. They just do. Yeah. Because for most people, rightly or wrongly, they are not, they're not wringing their hands about what it means for you know whatever retail vertical they're impinging on. It's like the stuff is cheap and it gets here tomorrow and they have everything. Tough. It's very tough. Yeah. So I think people, they think of Amazon as trusting with interesting technological stuff, and I can use my prime membership to get 40 cents off and whatever. So I I think it actually makes a lot of sense that they didn't change it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, if they're going for the indie buyer, I think you're right. 
because putting Amazon on the top is like, everyone's like, oh, no, I'm not mistaking this by calling it O'Neill's Books, where I could be plausibly <laughs> yeah. mistaken well, for an independent bookstore. And I mean, I'm sure that this is a reflection of the pretty far left <laughs> liberal, yes. uh, you know, social situation that I live in where folks like, you know, don't want to contribute to what Amazon is doing in the world. And so if you put some distance between Amazon's name and the, you know, quickie mart that you could go into to get Mm -hmm. your Snickers, um, that might, if those folks didn't know those things were owned by Amazon, you would have a chance at them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just think you lose more of the people of the affinity for Amazon, right? Like you're you're buying it with uh, an expensive currency. Yeah, the general Q rating of Amazon is just a thing that I wish were not real, so I mm-hmm. like to forget it. <laughs> hey, you know, that's not the worst way to go through the world um, on the whole. You know, it has its own memory holding Amazon. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's do a sponsor break and talk about Kickstarter, self publishing, and, and Brandon Sanderson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so we're kind of saying at this point that we agree that this is an Amazon books going away was a nothing burger because it was already kind of a nothing burger. There wasn't a lot of the more surprising story by a factor of 10 would have been Amazon tripling the number of Amazon bookstores, right? Mm -hmm. That's the surprising Mm -hmm. story. The surprising story or the non-surprising story around Kickstarter and self-publishing is we've talked about this kind of a lot actually is another day of kind of nothing all that interesting happening. Now, Self-publishing has been very lucrative for a lot of people, especially genre and especially in romance. Um, And I don't want to minimize that. But one thing we've been watching for, and you and I have talked about this for, I'm not exaggerating, years of years. when when is it going to have a big fish that strikes out on their own in a real splashy way that might change the discourse around what this actually looks like? And I think this is the candidate for the one. If there is one, this is it. And I think it makes this even more complicated mm-hmm. and interesting. Um, Jen Northington in our Slack channel brought up Sarah Grand's self-publishing, you know, basically taking her own books into her own hands and then going to also get some other titles. But I think one thing about that is, A, it's not a, it's not a Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson is a brand name within yes. – it's not Stephen King. It's not George R. R. Martin. It's not J.K., but it's like the next tier down, which is interesting. And then the other thing is, this isn't just you're going to get my book first and then you can go buy it at Barnes & Noble. This is a direct to fandom at scale with mm-hmm. a big property that's working, which we thought maybe an N.K. Jemison or maybe a Roxanne Gay or maybe a Joe Hill or you know those kinds of people, which maybe are more interesting. They have affinity with a, a large enough group of readers where there's margin there, but not so large that they have to distribute 25 million copies around the world in nine languages, right? Because that's what publishers are really good at. So you kind of needed this right, you needed this right kind of like perfect storm of um, personality, fandom, product, and interest, which when I put it like that, maybe it made more sense that we didn't see one before, which makes me wonder if this is just an outlier. Is this an outlier or a harbinger? That's, That's where I'm finding myself really getting 
the frisson of not being knowing that is making me very interested in this at the whole. Well, try this on for size. What if it's a yeah. harbinger of a few more outliers? <laughs> <laughs> a harbinger, or an outlier that shows that outliers are possible? That's weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that... I think the key phrase that you said was fandom at scale. Mm -hmm. And Sanderson has fandom. It's huge. And it's of a kind like sci-fi series fans are diehard, devoted. And Sanderson is not so big. Like I think Stephen King is a good comparison here that he doesn't sort of have his own connections directly to his audience or his own like ways to market these things right. actually i was kind of noodling this and i think if stephen king had launched a thing like this my guess is it would be lower than what sanderson is doing because stephen king's got like you know some diehard fans certainly but also like a lot of impulse purchases from the front table at barnes and noble or the airport bookstore people who like stephen king when they pick up a couple books a year right. but who aren't like waiting for the next stephen king book you know on the edge of their seats and ready to like follow stephen king on the internet and back his kickstarter i think mm -hmm. brandon sanderson is like the perfect <laughs> setup it is that's this. why that's why it's maybe nothing burger weirdly yeah, because it's and, so specific and it's I mean, it makes to total sense to me why Brandon Sanderson would do this. Like, he must have felt confident enough that he could make more money doing this than going through his traditional publisher. The books are already written. So, like, in a traditional setup, you get an advance. Factor, right? Gosh, right. Like a confounding factor. Yeah. Like, usually you get the advance and then you go off and you write the books and you have to fund your life while you're writing the books with that mm -hmm. advance and then hope that you sell enough to start earning royalties someday and he wrote these functionally on spec but they're done so it's not like back my kickstarter and then i have to like dig in and produce and then in this two thing. years you're gonna get the first chapter <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. like he does have to do the like the literal production of the physical copies but he doesn't have to go create the content it's all done and so I, it makes sense to me if you're brandon sanderson and you're sitting on four more novels <laughs> I don't I don't know that he was going to get a 20 million dollar deal for four novels from his publisher. I don't, I don't know. From DAW and, or Tor yeah, or I mean, whoever and, it might be I don't know whose publishers are personally. And if he had, he would only be getting a percentage of those right. dollars because his agent's going to take some and all of, you know, you know how business works. This yeah. way, straight cash in his pocket to deliver these things and he'll have to pay his taxes and I'm sure his accountant will have a heyday with what this is going to be like for him. But well, and it's a Dragon Steel Entertainment, which you can't make up, by the way, for a fantasy <laughs> company. Um, that's, it's not just him in like, it's you know, a printing him. press. Right. It's like, there's yes. a, I don't know how much infrastructure we're really looking at, which is interesting as well. Yeah. Um, so okay. I think fascinating. I would, I think, It'll be interesting to see somebody like N.K. Jemisin or Roxane Gay, who certainly has a devoted audience, do something like this. But those audiences are not fandom at scale in this right. way, um, where the cost benefit for them of like they probably do benefit from having a publisher's infrastructure to do marketing and publicity and outreach to bookstores and put them on a tour and book them onto the Today Show and all of those things. And by doing a Kickstarter like this, Brandon Sanderson is functionally saying, I don't need those things. I can do it myself. And he's, it turns mm -hmm. out he's right. And I think there's a hand, maybe a handful of other authors who could be 
this successful. But I don't know if we'll ever see this again because who else has their four secret novels already done? <laughs> well, that's this. So I have a mini. It's not. It's not really a game. It's just sort of a way of looking at because I think there's even specifics of this that are worth talking about related to things we're cared about mm-hmm. too. So I want to. I want to walk through a couple of the spe- features of this particular Kickstarter and sort them into either replicable or non-replicable okay. for other people. Does that make sense to you? Yes, you, you like this is where, easier like than this 20 going? questions. Yes, right. There will be 20 of them, but there's an easy yes or no, <laughs> or you know, one side or the other kinds of a situation. So let's start with the four surprise books, replicable or non-replicable? I'm going to say non-replicable. Okay, say more about that. Well, Sanderson does a 19-minute long video to tell you how this came to be. <laughs> Yes. I only watched Which like the first Which you slacked and didn't watch the whole thing up. <laughs> didn't even do the homework, Rebecca. I'm so ashamed for you. Sorry. I did enough yeah, of my right. homework to know what he was saying. You 80 20 it. There's no doubt about that. I did. Yeah. I 80 20 it. I got what I needed to get. And he tells you right from the top that he was able to do this because he was home for the last mm-hmm. two years because we were all home for the last two years. And he even does a little pie chart of in like 2019, how and the years before that, how his time was broken out, like in an average week or an average month, how much time he spent writing, how much time he spent traveling and then with his family and other things. And then in 2020, he did not have any of that travel or promotion that he had to go do. So he had all this extra time and he needed to do something with his hands because we were all in our houses. Right. So like that, that environment hope, I hope to God is not replicated. (laughs) Yeah. This was not a situation where he's like, you know what? I'm going to the mountaintop in a normal time and I'm going to crank out four novels. There is a certain (laughs) hard to know. There's a winning performed, I believe, genuineness about, well, you know, I started writing this book for my wife and I just wrote four more and I guess I got to the end and I'm like, I guess I should do something. My question is at what point when he was through which of those novels is like, I'm going to do something big with these. Well, and like, did he talk to his publisher first and they turned him down? Uh, you know, uh, I think that's an interesting question. Interesting question, but yeah. I think, I, I think non-replicable, just four secret books in a two-year period. And he was also able to spend his time in that two-year period writing four secret books instead of like hustling to find work he could do from home yeah. because he, he had, was successful. He that's right. Right, and he's previously right. successful. Um, that is just a situation that very few people are in. If this is one surprise novel, does it get a million dollars? I think it gets a billion, but I don't think it gets 20. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, but you hear what the question I'm asking was like, how much of a multiplicative effect is the, oh my, four? Mm. Oh my God, yeah. four. 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 Because I think someone it's... could do one. Someone could be like, I've got this one. You know, Roxanne right. Game, just, I'm just picking someone that I think has... A, it needs to be genre. Jemison. I just picked Jemison. It needs to be close. genre. Yeah. Yeah, genre. Has to, you're right. It has to be genre. Or people have a very close connection to, and I think Gay is maybe she's got a, she's cultivated a fandom that doesn't need genre, which is very, very rare. But that's a different, I'm in a different rant or a different um, uh, <laughs> side channel here. One is interesting. Four is I'm getting a whole experience, right? He even says a year of Sanderson. Like, what, and we'll get to this in a minute. Some of the stuff you get is not the book. You get a book a quarter, but in the interstitial months, you get like basically a subscription box of like Sanderson swag, which is, I mean, if this is something interesting to you, I'm so happy for you. I, I couldn't be more thrilled if you want the Sanderson subscription box of like just related stuff to the Cosphere or whatever is the name of his world. I think someone theoretically could spend two years writing four secret novels. So in, in a sense, it's technically replicable. 
but I think it's so unlikely as to be basically mm-hmm. de facto non-replicable yeah. because you would need to have the money to do it and then an imposed discipline to do it and then really already kind of have a sense of what you could do with it. So yes, technically someone would do with it, but it's not it's not a strategy most normal people could scale. Um, yeah, some, this is degree. like the only analog I can even imagine really is like, an alternate universe where J.K. Rowling is not transphobic and writes seven new Harry Potter novels with the original characters, and you can get all of those through her Kickstarter. Or something if there like was that. one new of those tomorrow, it would be half mil- a half a billion dollars globally. I, and I really believe this. Yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah. I think if she's and we we don't like to talk about her, but you're right. Like that's the very top end. But I'm gonna let's let's take it down a notch into the same genre. Who also has non replicable things about it. If George R. R. Martin tomorrow said the book is done, <laughs> or you're going to get in four novellas and it's going to be the whole book, is this a billion? I mean, I'm not joking. Like, what is the top end for something like that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, if now, George R. R. Martin rolls out on Kickstarter tomorrow, I think it breaks the internet. I, I think our, our all of our um, Wi-Fi connections fry immediately from <laughs> Dragonfire uh, for that. On the other hand, he's so big that he can sell 200 million copies of this book over the next 10 years that the marginal value of like doing all the heavy lifting himself, I mean, let's be right. honest, George George is not the most productive person in the world. So imagining like all the marketing <laughs> and copying and everything, you know? I'm not sure that yeah, doing there's... all the things is what George should do with his, with his uh, well, uh, discretionary time. That's an interesting point that this is Sanderson's also like kind of in a sweet spot where he's not so big that yeah. he needs the publisher's infrastructure for delivery of the thing. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't seem maybe he I wonder what he thinks about this. Is he looking at these like, holy crap, that's a yeah, lot of books to put in boxes. That's one question I had too. Is he also a surprised and, and thrilled <laughs> and ex- interested? Because, you know, we've we've run Kickstarters for digital goods. Mm-hmm. And so I know that it's not hard to like deliver an ebook to a Kickstarter backer, but addressing boxes and packing them up for people who got the hardcovers rather than ebooks or audiobooks is that's a lot of work and a not small number of people no. <laughs> are going to get those no. like it's I'm going to be looking at this thing every day for the next 28 days because it's gone up $200,000 in the time that we have been talking today. <laughs> It's been a while since I looked at Kickstarter. This is a side point. At some point, they added real-time updates to the number. Because uh-huh. it used it to be is... a refresh. Remember this? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's and a good dopamine it's, hit. It's a very good... Do- if I were Brandon Sanderson, <laughs> oh I would need some sort of like physical restraints. <laughs> Has Brandon Sanderson slept in the last 48 hours? <laughs> I don't know. I, I need to go... I don't know what is Soch, what's going on in the Sanders Soch um, right now <laughs> to see what he's... What he's what hot tweets he's given us about his... Ex- like, is this million dollars? What this is like, yeah, I'm going to auction off my house and I'm going to start the bidding at 50 bucks just to get people mm. there. Like, how representative this was anything? I, I don't... I feel like a 20x of even that you were sandbagging seems he should run marketing for giant corporations if that's if this is what yeah. he he knew was going to happen with this. <laughs> I was thinking about his there's a little bit of um H Ross Perot at Comic-Con to him doing his charts and everything vibe going on mm-hmm. which I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of opportunity cost, I wonder how much all that publicity and stuff cost him. Like is he coming mm-hmm. out ahead after this? Because he's not, you know, promoting the other stuff he's doing and blah, blah, blah. Or was there a bit of a scales falling from his eyes moment of, if I don't do all this promo, I can write four books and sell it directly to my right. real fans and get 20 million large? Yeah, I guess it'll be really interesting to see 
if Brandon Sanderson's books after the four secret novels go back to traditional publishing or if he's yep. like, this was great, let's keep doing it. Okay, we're back to replicable or not. I'm going to now look okay. at the actual prizes because we haven't talked about prizes, rewards, what, you know, what's mm-hmm. on the tin. I'm going to go a little bit in ascending order of what's on here. Interestingly, the only one of the levels that doesn't show you how many number of backers is you give 10 bucks just because you want to support it. Mm-hmm. Everyone can do that. I don't think that's interesting. That's something that appears on a lot of these Kickstarters. Totally, totally replicable. $40 or more quarterly ebooks. You get an ebook, one ebook every quarter. That has, I think, the highest num- raw number. No, I'm sorry. We're going to get to it. It, it has 16,000, almost 17,000 backers mm-hmm. for that. And it's $40 or more for the year. So you're getting the ebooks for 10 bucks a piece. Rebecca, replicable, not replicable. Like as a thing people would buy? Whatever you want, whichever way you want. <laughs> I mean, nobody else is going to have four books to give you one per quarter. Well, but so... I'm, I'm assuming we already did that because that was baked into the earlier question. Yeah. Four surprise books. I guess Essentially, I'm it's $10 to... for an ebook. Everyone yeah. can do that. That's Everybody nothing. can do that. Everybody yes. can do that. Yeah. 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 The quarterly audiobook. So you're getting same th- you're getting the audiobook versions each one of them as they come out including the audiobook and the ebook for this. So at this level for $60 mm-hmm. more you get the audiobook and ebook Rebecca replicable or not. I think actually not because you're okay. only paying 5 bucks more per quarter to get the audiobook on top of the ebook and audiobook production to done well not cheap we are given to understand. So I've I have questions about how he's going to produce this. Like anybody could sell an audiobook for 5 bucks or well, not anybody can bundle an ebook and an audiobook uh, together. That, that, thank you, thank you. That's where I wanted to go. Thank you, found it. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's the bundle, baby. It's the bundle. Yeah. That is the eternal question, right? Who's going to get bundling done right? And even on Amazon, where there are some oh, things that you can like buy the e- if you buy the audiobook, you can like get the ebook for free or get some. It's not good. It's and it hasn't become popular probably because it's not good. It's not good. So I think that piece is not replicable. Not currently replicable. There's not and a good a- way to give a multi-format bundle to a reader. Or is this only replicable if you're self-publishing because you own all the rights and you can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, the part that is the, the, the sine qua yes. non there is you have to own the, the distribution rights in all the mm-hmm. formats, which is yeah. self-publishing only at this point as far as I can tell. I, I've i gotten this recently. I'm reading a lot of front list. I'm really enjoying it, but I'm finding that it's very format dependent and mood dependent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm comfortable saying this, and it's an easy check for my mouth to write because I know no one's going to cash it, so, but here we go. I would pay $50 per title that I'm interested in front list to get all three formats. Oh, I would. That's interesting. I would read. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read 150 books this year-ish, something like that. I'm guessing. I would pay seven grand. I'm doing the math. Seventy five hundred bucks <laughs> to have all the all of the things available to me because I don't know mm. if I want that one in audiobook mm-hmm. or ebook or print mm-hmm. until I kind of am into it and what's where I am and everything else. I and I could just do it and I would just have yeah. it and they'd get more money from me and I'm not distributing anyway. But but publishing can't do this because they made. This legacy business mistakes and the audiobooks are all the right, and you buy the hard, and it's the distribution channel as much as anything. Harper mm-hmm. Collins owns all of the distribution rights to any given new title, most of them. But the problem is, how do you associate? We talked about they even did their own experiment. How do you associate the audiobook and ebook right to this hardcover you bought at uh, <laughs> Powell's? Right. It's a mess. Yeah, I think 
it is a mess. And a, another piece of this that's probably not replicable for the reasons of like your reading habits or mine are not representative, like what we would be willing yeah. to pay for are not representative of general readers. And I think Sanderson's fandom is not representative of general readers, right. where most readers want to pay for one format of the book in the format that they want. Yeah. So the appeal of I've got a pony up extra if I want audiobooks, and that gives me the ebook, does that actually feel like a bonus to most readers in most situations? Probably not. But for the diehard Sanderson fan, sure. I guess, though, luckily, he's coattailing off this mental model we have that audiobooks should be more expensive than ebooks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because really, what that, the way they've occasionally marketed this, this is at the audiobook level. You're getting four audiobooks for 60 bucks, so $15 an audiobook. Audible credit is around 12 to 15, mm-hmm. depending on how many true. you buy a month. So you're kind of getting the ebooks for free in that regard. And mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense because once the ebook is made, it's fairly simple. The marginal, the marginal cost to distribute to the people, you know, 15,000 backers at this level. So yeah. that, I think that bundling, the ability to bundle is not relevant unless you're going to self-publish. That is a self-publish, mm-hmm. self-distribute win that legacy publishers can't do. Now, what you do is you give up some other stuff, but we can talk about that in a minute, but that's really fascinating. So the next level, you get the eBooks plus the unsigned premium hardcovers. Here we go. Now we're into fancy town. You're getting, there is no non-premium hardcover that you can buy. You're only buying the premium hardcover and they're not all signed. This signed, this level is 160. So for $40 a quarter, you're getting the hardcover in an ebook unsigned. So Aunt Sanderson has not blessed this with his meat hand signature at this point. <laughs> okay. Title. Now, if you jump up a level, you go up to 220 where you get audio E and the premium unsigned hardcovers. Interestingly, there's a real dip here mm-hmm. when it comes to getting the actual books. This is the lowest level, I believe, where you're getting actually any titles, 4,000 levels. It makes sense. If I'm going to spring yep. for all three, I think I want to get it signed as well. If I'm doing this, I want the Sanderson shine. Um, and if you just want the hardcover, you would just go for the 160 just level. Just the one, and, the 160 yeah. level. The next few levels are variations of the ones that come before, but include these eight uh, in the interstitial months where there's not a book a swag box. I'm really not super happy that swag box has become a term of art for this, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and then you can get the swag box plus the ebook, swag box plus swag box plus the audiobook, and then swag box plus plus the unsigned hardcover. So basically mirrors, but you get. And for 480, uh, let's see of these, which is the most popular. The most popular here is for $480 or more. You get the premium hardcovers, unsigned, and the ebooks and swag boxes. Five mm-hmm. thousand, four thousand people are paying five hundred bucks for this. Then you jump up for twenty dollars more, and here's some choice architecturing, like a master. Yep. For twenty dollars more, you get the audiobooks as well. So you're getting all formats plus the swag boxes for five hundred bucks, and that is the top level fascinating to see i didn't see is there a signed level like there is not what is that i I kept scrolling and i'm like okay where does the signed one comes on what what is that just doing the same thing where is the level with the signed hardcovers now it makes sense to not sign a bunch of hardcovers if you have arranged some sort of drop shipping situation. Oh, if there's just it's coming directly Bra- from the Chinese publisher. If Brandon Sanderson doesn't have to pack these books into boxes with his own meat hands yeah. or ever touch them, 
then not offering a signed level saves him from having to like order a bunch of the books and then pack them up and do it himself. So if there is some printer distributor, like how he's creating premium hardcovers outside the infrastructure of traditional publishing is also a really big question of mine. Like usually self-published books that do some sort of print on demand situation are paperback and they're expensive. They're more expensive to print and the like the, the cover price for them is usually more expensive mm. than a typical paperback because of that. So I, I don't even know that I've ever seen a hardcover self-published. Well, book. I don't know that it needs to be to... self-published. I think the analog for me would be like Powell's indispensable where they do these special hardcover versions mm. and they have but them the... printed or yeah. book of the month, which you know yeah. gets the printing That's rights to these the month, books yeah. and then uses these. You know, they're not print on demand; they're giant offset behemoths, but they're printing mm-hmm. two to five thousand titles at a time, and they actually yeah. save money because they're printing and a bunch of titles and they use right. and they're hardcover, but they use cheaper paper. I mean, I don't know if people know this about mm-hmm. book of the month. Like, sometime go into the bookstore, especially a used one. If you can find a book of the month hardcover compared to the regular, you can tell they're not spending as much money. That's where they're picking up. So that's how they can charge money. 15 bucks or nine bucks and, and, and still make money on it. Yeah, and most used bookstores won't take book of the month books because of that. That's great. Great point. Yeah, great point. So I, I that was the big surprise to me is that there was no super shiny premium ultra inner yeah. circle where you get the signed stuff. I was very, very surprised to discover like, that because I kept seeing the under uh, unsigned in, in caps thinking that was to remind you to wait for the signed one. And I'm realizing it's just to make sure you don't think you're getting signed books because they yeah, ain't coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, he doesn't want to have thousands of emails yes. about how come my book is not signed. I bought, I spent $500 on the Sanders verse and you couldn't even be bothered to <laughs> scribble your name on it. I feel that I should email him and be like, you're going to get those emails anyway. <laughs> I mean, he's in fandom, Rebecca. Boy knows. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Boy That's knows. True. Boy knows. <laughs> but he covered his, you know, he did the CYA here. You can say this was clearly printed in all caps in the thing, in your terms of service, mm. whatever, whatever. Really interesting that there's not signed ones. Like, how many more of these people would have ponied up a grand a year to get? I four don't, I don't know. Super premium glitter covered Brandon Sanderson touched these with his meat hands hardcovers. And. He doesn't get to know the answer to that question. I think if I were Brandon Sanderson, yeah. that part would be driving me crazy. So I'm going to guess this has something to do with infrastructure, delivery, shipping stuff. Yeah. I I hadn't thought too much about the logistics of getting the books to him from the printer to him and then back in the boxes. So you're paying shipping mm-hmm. twice, right? As, as yeah. you know, we've, we have a little bit of experience with this. I guess I would be surprised if it's coming right from a shipper or right from the printer, the books, but I don't know because the swag boxes themselves are going to require assembly. So there's a world in which for the people that got the swag box, maybe there's a level where you get the signed ones too because you got to do the pack in anyway. And like the bo- well, unless the books are coming separately, I don't, I, I don't have a sense of what this actually would look like. Boxes, like I think you can have cra- like Crate Joy services like that will assemble things for you. So right. Well, but I'm saying there's still whatever. I mean, again, Sanderson has like five ongoing worlds, which is if you look at this too hard, it makes my brain hurt. And wow. Um, So this the stuff for the crate drawer, each one of those boxes will be themed around a specific one. But there's a couple of wild cards. There's like Sanderson fan, Sanderson fan. Um, But those things will those items will have to come from somewhere to crepe joy, even if that's what they're doing, put in a box. So theoretically, the books could get there. 
They I could. I, I, I don't. There's some reason that I don't there understand. There is a reason. Yeah. There is a reason. <laughs> Call because us, it, it, Brandon Sanderson. We've long thought, and people have long thought that the special sauce is a signed thing. It's so interesting to me that that's not what this is mm-hmm. about. That's mm-hmm. not what this is about. Also, the shipping cost, interestingly, is after the fact. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can get them internationally, but a year of Sanderson quarter box is, gonna actually, <laughs> is another 420 American. That is uh, spicy. That is spicy. Um, indeed. It starts January 2023, so he's going to have some time to logistify um, everything here. We've been going on this for a while. I don't want to belabor it too late. I find this so interesting. Is there anything mm-hmm. missing here that you're no. – I mean, we talked about the big one. Like, what what else do we think is interesting about this? Anything else that, that jumps to mind to you? I don't think you? there's anything missing. I look forward to the Brandon Sanderson unboxing videos hitting YouTube. <laughs> I guess that's kind of related to my big one. Are people going to be happy about this? When we're in August and we're on the ninth, Mm. the eighth swaggerson, swander swag. I'm trying to do a portmanteau. It's not happening in real time (laughs) here. Swaggerson, swaggerson, swagerson. There's some. There's the N D in swag doesn't work. When you launch a Kickstarter for a million dollars and you get twenty million in two days, you get to change your last name to Swaggerson. Maybe that's one of the um, maybe the premiums. (laughs) You get to change Brandon Sanderson's name to something. (laughs) (laughs) That's a. And I didn't see, and again, I read this, I watched the videos and some of it slipped out because I was getting pretty bored at some points with the videos. Um, it does say, while regular hardcover and paperback editions with the traditional bubble are possible sometime in the future, after this mm. campaign is fulfilled, the premium version of this book might not be available again. That is bolded. That's good Com- hedging thoughts, thoughts and feelings about that particular uh, addendum. That language feels to me like a lawyer had some input. <laughs> on it and it's a don't get mad at us if these come out in a couple of years from a traditional publisher and and normies who didn't back my kickstarter Mm -hmm. can buy them in barnes and noble you were still special um again brandon sanderson's in fandom as you said he knows how that's gonna go there's a reason that language is there and that's the reason (laughs) like maybe he's maybe his publisher turned these down and now he's gonna go back and be like look I got $20 million from the general public, but I think there's still more interest in this. You want to go to? Um, it does seem like you wouldn't, it would be just from an optical point of view, a bad look to be like, the only way to get my heart, a print copy of my book is to drop 180 on all of them tomorrow mm-hmm. over this yeah. month. I, I don't think even just from an IP stewardship of your own stuff that's probably a bad move maybe he just does them as ebooks that are available one-off in the future there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that he could do with Mm -hmm. those but so who who what author is the most chin handsing today um looking at this we can't we said jemison i don't jemison she's she's more like she's not big enough but she also doesn't have like 40 years in like nine ongoing series. It's just a different. Yeah. It's just I think a different there might be thing. Not quite as big, but maybe a couple romance authors might be looking at this with their eyes on something like it. Um, Can I throw a name at you? Sure. Colleen Hoover. Oh. TikTok sensation. T- mm-hmm. Colleen Hoover. Yeah. Does she have enough? Fa- she sold a billion copies, three of the top 10 selling books of any format of any list age yeah, this week in I, Publishers Weekly are Hoover titles. I don't she know. drops tomorrow at Kickstarter. I have a, two secret books. 
I got to look at the Hoover Soch because like what is her direct connection to her audience and yeah she hasn't been around nearly as long one of the things that brandon sanderson really has going for him is the length of his career and the length of connection that his fans have to him and does anyone care about Mm. a premium unsigned uh it ends with you it's the reminders of us i'm I'm now just playing hoover mad libs which is the thing i couldn't have done six weeks ago (laughs) um Life comes because at you I, fast. Yeah, I think the ring of power here to stay in the fandom is, and, and notice notably the a lot the most um, highly produced static image are these theoretical premium hardcovers. They're not even the real mm-hmm. thing, but they went yeah. to the trouble to design and mock up. I would say fairly attractive looking stand-ins for what mm-hmm. these things are going to be, and people want those, and fans want those. And do you have fans or do you have readers, I think is a weirdly specific, but also super meaningful distinction. Yes. Yeah. Because John Grisham has more readers than Brandon Sanderson. Mm -hmm. John Grisham's secret for new novels is not doing this. Just isn't. Yeah. I think if you take fan or customer, you know, and you could extrapolate that even to to TV or to music. I watch a lot of TV. I'm only Mm. even considering backing the Kickstarter for like, extra episodes of station 11 or right something. right <laughs> Mad Men get, returns <laughs> get if i get a bespoke um uh hamlet costume made out of used um, uh <laughs> golf gloves paper tubes. Yeah, yeah yeah that's how that's that's the swag i want um from that i i i'm going to continue to think about this i feel like there are a couple people that could read this putt to stay on the golf metaphor mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there aren't that many outside of the bundle thing is maybe something that even a more traditional publisher could think about as a premium launch thing. That is interesting to me. Yeah, that is if interesting. That is the only thing, because that's something I want, and it solves a problem for me. And it's a mess. That thing is a mess. But everything else, I actually don't know how much that matters. That's just a way to price some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at just the people that are getting, I don't know, the ebooks and the audiobook bundle is 15,000 backers. And then bundled with the hardcover, um, that adds another five. So a third of the backing here in terms of backer count, not dollars, Mm -hmm. is from people that want some sort of bundle of just the books. Yeah. And they don't care about the swander swag. Swander swag. I'm adding a W to make it easier to say. (laughs) I stand by swaggerson. I I can't say that. It's not coming out. I don't know what's wrong. I'm broken. Uh, Frontless Corner is going to have to wait. We, let's do let's do one shout to a book we liked recently that we literally will probably not talk about ever again. These things happen. Like, we're not going to do a full <laughs> discussion of it. Have you read anything recently? Like, yes, it was good, but seriously, don't ask me about it. I just liked it. Yeah. I feel that way. I'm reading From Hollywood with Love right now okay. by Scott Meslow. Yes. Great little history of rom-coms. I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to take a bunch of hey, did you know facts Mm. into my life to those dinner parties I don't go to. Um, But I'm not going to be thinking about it five years from now. I am going to say the same thing about Seven Games by Oliver Rader. Did I did we do this on our work call or did I do this on the pod already? Do you remember? I don't want to repeat I if I did this on the pod. Don't think I don't think you've done it on the pod. No, I don't think I have either. So this is um, a former 538 data analyst contributor who really likes games and puzzles. And it's a history of games in seven games. Not history in the world in seven games, which you know is my jam, and I prefer that. <laughs> but it talks about games, game theory, and it each chapter is takes a particular game. It's Go, Chess, Backgammon, Poker, Bridge. 
uh, I'm missing a couple. It doesn't matter. Th- those are mostly they're about how computer programmers built AI to beat them, and which ones can mm-hmm. and cannot be beaten. Uh, most um, spoiler alert: computers are good at these things, uh, doesn't <laughs> it? Oh, poker. Poker is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but an interesting character study. I, f- I found the history interesting. I would only recommend it to me because I just feel like it's very specific. <laughs> it's it not does audio. It's sound not long. It's not long, to be honest. So. Um, that that's the Voltavidic by Elevator. Liked it. I don't have literally anything else to say about it. So there you go. Uh, Rebecca, boy, w- thank you for joining me in the story, stories from 2017. Um, <laughs> Is know. this podcast replicable or not replicable? <sighs> you can only close Today's Amazon Books not. once. Yeah, You can true. only close it once. Um, you can find show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. Shoot us an email podcast at bookriot.com. We'll talk to you all later. Rebecca, thank you. Mm -hmm. Have a good one.